From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Hey there, Senators, come sit on Capitol Bill. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Wolf Trap National Park for the Performing Arts in Vienna, Virginia, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. Yes. We have got a great show for you today. Later on, we're going to be talking to the great Washington, D.C.-based chef, Jose Andres, known for going recently to Puerto Rico and giving out thousands of meals to hurricane survivors for free, prompting everybody here back home in D.C. to say, hey, the metro flooded that one time. Where's our food? (laughs) But first, before that meal, you can be the appetizer. Give us a call at one wait wait That's one 924 Now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is uh, Jeff Johnson. I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How are things in Baton Rouge, Jeff? They are just swell, Peter. They're, they're extraordinarily hot, but we're good. That's great, because you guys are used to that. You know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a negative thing. It should go without saying that in southeast Louisiana, when you complain about the heat, you're just being a jerk. But it's really hot. But no, we're good. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Jeff. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First comedian and host of the podcast, Fake the Nation, and author of the book, How to Make White People Laugh, it's Nagin Farsad. Next, an actor and writer currently appearing on this episode of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. (laughs) It's Peter Gross. Hello. (laughs) And finally, a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning, it's Faith Saley. Hello, Jeff. Hello. So, Jeff, you're going to start our show by playing Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from the week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you'll win our prize. Any voice from our show that you may choose on your voicemail. You ready to play? Yes, I am. All right. Here's your first quote. It is the president boasting about one of his resorts. No bed bugs. (laughs) (laughs) So according to the president, nobody will have to worry about bed bugs when they stay at his resort next year where he wants to host what? The G7. Yes, the G7. Very good. Now, as per usual, President Trump got a lot of criticism for his behavior at this year's G7, which took place, as I said, last weekend. But let's give credit where credit is due. At least Trump did not once pronounce G7 as G7. (laughs) 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 But what the president got really excited about was next year's meeting, which the U.S. is hosting. And it turns out, after a nationwide search of possible venues, amazingly, the best possible choice is a Trump hotel, specifically <laughs> uh, the Miami Trump Doral Golf Resort. And among its many advantages, said the president, in addition to having no bed bugs, it has, quote, lots of parking, unquote. <laughs> now, no, do not laugh. This is very important to international symmetry. For example, Hungary got screwed at Yalta because while the great powers were busy dividing up Europe, Hungary was still circling the block. <laughs> Didn't he also say it's close to the Miami airport? He did yep. say that. It's airport close. Yeah. He's so used to pitching things to like a specific audience that he can't pivot to international leaders. Yeah. 
you know, it's like he's used to being like, come join my club, it's close to the airport, we got good parking. <laughs> yeah. That he just makes the same exact pitch sitting next to Angela Merkel. He's like, good parking, close to the airport. You know, there's, there's a, a shuttle that can pick you up from the airport and take you to the, <laughs> to the hotel. It's like, because it was like literally in the middle of a bilateral meeting with Angela Merkel and as if he was like on the Property Brothers or something, yeah, being yeah. like, let's really flip this G7. <laughs> we can really do something it's with like this. Everybody, huh? All the other leaders went there to work out important issues of na international significance, and he was there to basically make a timeshare presentation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is, has this ever happened to you? You're in America for a summit, you have nowhere to stay. And then like Don Jr. stands up and he's like, I, that's never happened to me, I'm a stranger. <laughs> so you might be wondering why the president was kind of declaring that there were no bed bugs at the Miami Doral. And the reason is because when he announced it as his preferred site, journalists look into it and they found out that there was a lawsuit. This is true in which a man stayed at the Doral's most luxurious suite and came away covered in bed bug bites and he sued the hotel and the hotel defended itself by saying, and this is true, that the man was, quote, careless and negligent in allowing himself to be bitten by them. Oh, victim blaming. They settled the lawsuit, and the lawsuit requires the man not to say anything, non-disclosure. But that non-disclosure agreement does not apply to the bedbugs. <laughs> they say the Doral is their favorite resort in Florida. <laughs> it's got great egg-laying opportunities, and food is delivered to their room every <laughs> night at bedtime. <laughs> and, say the bedbugs, lots of parking. <laughs> All right, Jeff, here is your next Quote. F off, you overpromoted rubber bath toy. That was none other than Hugh Grant, the movie star, insulting someone on Twitter for continuing to bungle Brexit this week. Who is it? Oh, the new prime minister. And his name is? It's a, it's a str no, it's not Brian. It's a strangely Russian name for a Britisher. You're killing me, Peter. <laughs> he's, he's not married Boy. to... Boris, yes, Boris Johnson. So this is what happened. A British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, had a problem, which is that Brexit is coming at the end of October, and he knows that Parliament does not want him to go through with it on his terms. What to do? Well, why not suspend Parliament, or as it's called, prorogue it, which sounds like a British euphemism for something naughty. <laughs> do you want to skip around to my flat and prorogue my Parliament? <laughs> It, but it's, what's crazy about it is, is like in response to not being able to deal with Parliament, he's just closing it down entirely to ha avoid having to deal with it. This is like getting a text from your girlfriend saying, we need to talk, and instead of calling her back, you shut down AT&T. <laughs> Can I also just say about Brexit is that the whole thing is so boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Oh my God, but Nagin, three no, years of Brexit and we are still, they haven't just left. Just leave, what are we talking about? You know what's gonna be good is when they do leave and they come back, then they will have Brentrance. <laughs> <laughs> no one is talking about Brentrance. <laughs> the Brie Union? Peter. Yeah, the Brie Union. <laughs> it's gonna be like, we have to discuss the terms of Brentrance. <laughs> Actually, how will, we, how will they Brenta? Reconciliation, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> now I really want them to leave. All right, Jeff, your last quote is based on an intriguing new solution to an old mystery from famed explorer Robert Ballard. Munch, munch, munch. According to Robert Ballard, that was the sound of giant crabs 
eating up what famous woman who disappeared decades ago? Amelia Earhart. You're right. Oh, no. Of course, oh. Amelia Earhart was an aviation pioneer who disappeared during her attempt to be the first woman to fly around the world. The only clue to what happened to her was Earhart's last radio message where she said, quote, I knew I shouldn't have flown a Boeing. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. And then now, she said, oh, I shouldn't have all this, brought this drawn butter here in the cockpit with exactly. me. Exactly. So what happened? <laughs> that was her second mistake. And not that crabs eat drawn butter. Yeah, I know, but, they, but they, they're but drawn to it. They're well, drawn to the drawn butter. If you dip them and it enough, they start to lick it and they go, this is pretty good. Yeah, I know. I can put a person in this stuff. So yeah, that's what happened. The idea is like no one's ever been able to find her remains. They've checked all these islands and like she's gone. They've never found any wreckage. So he has this theory that there's this one island where they think she landed and that these giant crabs would have eaten her remains and then oh. the crabs would have buried her bones because that's what they do. I learned way too much about crabs when I read this story. These things are three, they're dogs. They're three feet they're long. They're big. And you realize you're thinking about them in this island and here comes Earhart's plane for an emergency landing and the crabs are like, who ordered delivery? <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Jeff do in our quiz? Jeff did great. Got him in there. Thanks, Jeff. Congratulations, Jeff. You did well. Three for three. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for playing. Right now, panel, it is, of course, time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Faith, Death Row Records, that's home to Tupac Shakur, Dr. Dre, Suge Knight, and others, have just been purchased by a company that may return it to its hardcore glory. What company bought Death Row Records? If by hardcore you mean as hard as, say, plastic toys, I think you mean Hasbro. Yes, Hasbro, the huh. game and toy company, bought Death Row Records. Hasbro, as you know, makes Play-Doh, Light Bright, the Easy Bake Oven, and soon the Easy E Bake Oven. <laughs> They've purchased Death Row Records, and My Little Pony wasted no time fulfilling her dream of going 187 on an undercover cop. <laughs> How, how does a, yeah. well? I was gonna say, how does a toy company have more money than a record company? But that makes a lot of sense considering yeah. you can't stream toys illegally. Yeah. But it, what's the plan? Just, the pl I don't know what the plan. It's well, it's a little complicated by the, the large children. The plan is for the president of Hasbro to go to his kids and be like, "Am I cool now?" <laughs> you're like, no, no, you're not actually. <laughs> Basically, it's very complicated why Hasbro ended up buying Death Row Records, but I'll try to explain. Basically, it's 2019, nothing makes sense. <laughs> it was part of a big acquisition. They got Death Row Records as sort of a side benefit to what they really wanted when they bought this other company, which was Peppa the Pig, or rather Peppa Pig, sorry. No the, Peppa Pig, very successful animated cartoon I'm character. I'm Peppa Pig. I'm yes. Peppa Pig, British, yes. And this is what prorogging yes. is. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is my brother so George. Boring. This is my prime minister. Yeah. But it all makes sense because Peppa Pig was one of the founding members of the gangster rap group PWA. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, a bluff the listener game Alexander Hamilton would love. Call one triple eight. Wait, wait to play. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. 
Support for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and the following message comes from Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is a completely wireless home security system that can be self-installed in under an hour. Simply Safe sensors are built to protect every point of access to your home. And with their video verification technology, Simply Safe can visually confirm when a break-in is happening, which can help police get on the scene up to 3.5 times faster. Get free shipping on your system and a 60-day money-back guarantee at simplysafe.com/wait. This is Elise Spiegel from Invisibilia, and guess what? We just launched a fall season where we're trying new things. Monthly stories that are a little bit shorter, feature new voices and new kinds of storytelling and sound. Our first fall story is about a man and the thing that he loves most, which is a giant plastic elephant. You should definitely tune in. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Faith Saley, Peter Gross, and Nagin Farsad. And here again is your host at Wolf Trap in Vienna, Virginia, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Right now... It's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter. Hi, this is Bill Zeline. I'm here from the hamlet of Hoboken, New Jersey. Hoboken? <laughs> what do you do there in Hoboken? I am a long-distance bus driver. I travel all over the country with a bus. Really? So you drive like if, if somebody's taking a tour to, say, Washington, D.C. Or, or out to some other I've city, done- you drive them. I've been all over the country. I've been up and down since Maine to Florida, including Canada. I even drove a bus to Chicago once. Really? Who was chasing you? <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Bill. Uh, you are going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Bill's topic? I'm a $10 bill. $10 <laughs> can still be a lot of money these days. Why, it's the president's net worth, and he's a billionaire. <laughs> This week, we heard about somebody getting exactly $10 in an unusual way. Our panelists are going to tell you the story. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you'll win the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. You ready to play, Bill? No, but let's do this. All right. <laughs> it's a good attitude. First, let's hear from Nagin Farsad. Red Bull, an energy drink known to me as that drink I used to mix with really cheap vodka in college so I could get drunk, but with an aftertaste of cough syrup, is in the news. Uh, You know their slogan, Red Bull gives you wings. You also know it doesn't actually give you wings, but a bunch of Canadian people didn't know that. And after waiting and waiting for wings to sprout out of their backs, presumably while they ate poutine and watched a curling tournament, uh, one of them sued and won. Red Bull, or as they call it in Canada, Le Red Bull, um, (laughs) agreed to pay 10 Canadian dollars to each person harmed by the wing claim. But the most Canadian thing about this lawsuit is that it was a virtual copy of an American lawsuit. The only difference in the Canadian lawsuit is the additional gripe that Red Bull didn't provide sufficient information regarding mixing the drink with alcohol. Information like, mix this drink with alcohol, or mix this drink with alcohol and you won't notice the flavor so much, or mix this drink with alcohol and Jerry Fiddler from your freshman year dorm with the excessively smelly socks won't seem as smelly and will even seem cute enough for a quick makeout sesh for which you'll be embarrassed the next morning. <laughs> Regrets, I have a few, you guys. Um. Canadians who are disappointed that Red Bull did not actually give them wings get $10 a piece. Your next story of somebody 
getting 10 whole dollars richer comes from Faith Saley. When Nicole Bromley Clute of Kensington, Maryland, decided to begin her outdoor mindfulness practice, she had a plan. She dropped her kids off at school, got into her favorite silver Lululemon jumpsuit, slathered her face in non-toxic zinc oxide, and went to the local park. She closed her eyes and sat crisscross applesauce under a tree. I usually suck at meditating, Nicole says, but I just got so in the zone with noticing my breath. She was so in the zone, in fact, that she ended up meditating for half an hour. When she opened her eyes, she saw that her empty matcha oat latte cup was filled with dollar bills and change amounting to $10. (laughs) Kids were pointing and a tourist was taking selfies with her. Nicole was confused at first. I knew I didn't look homeless because Lululemon is so expensive, she says. It turned out that with her geisha white sunscreened face and her silver getup, folks in the park were mistaking her for one of those living statues. (laughs) Nicole reports, I left to do my cardio at SoulCycle and told all my friends. Two moms joined me the next day and we made $37. (laughs) A woman meditating in a park was so still people thought she was a performance artist and gave her $10. Your last story of 10 big ones comes from Peter Gross. Matthew Timberger of Joplin, Missouri is an amateur treasure hunter, spending nights and weekends chasing down rumors of lost or buried riches. But earlier this summer, he got very excited when his two-year-old son pulled an old crumpled piece of paper out of the sandbox he was playing in. At first, I was just gonna throw it away, Timberger told the Kansas City Star, because it didn't seem important and because my son had wiped his nose on it. But then, Timberger realized that the paper was actually an old map with strange symbols and writing, including the phrase, location of the most valuable treasure in all of Joplin. He immediately thought, could this be the legendary Joplin Millions? In 1867, a million-dollar train shipment of gold from Fort Knox to Salt Lake City was stolen outside Joplin, but the thieves and the gold were never found. Timberger was so convinced that he had struck literal gold that he sold a show to the Discovery Channel, a documentary called The Hunt for the Joplin Millions, and this week he set off to the location where X marked the spot, armed with a backhoe and a camera crew, and he started digging. It took 10 seconds of digging six inches to the ground before he discovered a small plywood cigar box labeled, Brian Jordan stuff, do not touch, no girls allowed. (laughs) He opened the box to discover not millions of dollars of gold, but a few coins, a Rubik's Cube, an ALF sticker, and a slightly bent George Brett baseball card. The value of this buried treasure, a paltry $10. When the results were published in the paper, an elated Brian Jordan said, hey, they found my stuff. I've been looking for that since third grade. Timberger is making the best of his embarrassing situation by repackaging his TV show to be called The Failure of the Hunt for the Joplin Millions. The buried treasure of Joplin turns out to be just $2. So let me summarize your choices, Bill. From Nagin Farsad, Red Bull pays out $10 to people who really thought that they were going to get wings from it. From Faith Saley, a woman meditating in a park arises to discover that people thought she was a performance artist and tipped her 10 bucks, or from Peter, treasure hunters looking for the Joplin millions. (laughs) Which of these is the real story of $10 earned in an odd way? Lord have mercy. Okay, I'm going to go with faith answer because I believe the possibility of someone just standing there doing nothing and all of a sudden getting money thrown at. But that sounds logical to me. (laughs) Well, to bring you the correct answer, we spoke to a reporter who's covered the real story. 
After drinking Red Bull for four years, a Canadian man named Michael Attar filed a class action lawsuit against the company. That was Kay Thor Jensen. He's a reporter for Newsweek talking about the Red Bull settlement. Um. I'm afraid you didn't get it right, but I got to tell you, I didn't believe it myself. <laughs> so you have, however, earned a point for Faith, who successfully fooled you. And thank you so much for playing. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. Take care. And now the game where somebody who's done great and good things is asked to do a small and dumb thing. It's called Not My Job. Chef Jose Andres is famous for his many restaurants here in Washington and now all around the country, but also for his founding of the World Central Kitchen, a nonprofit devoted to feeding survivors of natural disasters. He, he may be the only person to win both Chef of the Year and Humanitarian of the Year Award from the Beard Foundation. Chef Jose Andres, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Can you hear me? Yeah, I think they can hear you. Can you understand me? <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I, which by the way, uh, she listens to you guys all the time. Wow. She's my translator because I can never understand anything you say. <laughs> um, she tells me, can you wait until the show is over so I tell you all the words you don't understand? <laughs> it's so unfair. It really is. <laughs> so you are one of the world's uh, most celebrated chefs, so we just have to ask you, what do you think of the Popeye's chicken sandwich? <laughs> um, I ate it online, and then by the time it was my turn, the Popeye was gone. <laughs> but... It's so many amazing chicken sandwiches in America. <laughs> yeah. That. Very good. Uh, do, do, you, do you actually. Do you, you are on a line waiting for an hour, and next door is another place that has a sandwich as good or better, <laughs> but everybody has to be in the line. It's like going to Disney. You yeah. go and you are in the line. <laughs> like, well, sometimes the line is not the way forward, people. <laughs> Find your own line. Find your own line. That's the answer you wanted to that's, get? That's, that's a very, I don't know what I wanted. That's a great answer. I, I know that a lot of chefs, famous chefs, uh, award-winning chefs, often have like a, a, a favorite junk food or like something because they're just so tired of like fancy food when they want to eat. Do you have one of those like favorite guilty habits? Yeah, I love cans, canned food. Cans of food. C-A-N? Can, 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 yeah. Yeah. I got can. it. Like, uh, but do you, do you care yeah. what's in the can? Or yeah. is it just the container? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I, I love, you know, the, the Finding Nemo, the, the, little, the little eggs, the black eggs, they call it caviar, the fancy people. Yeah. That's good canned food. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you don't have caviar in a can, you can eat spam and it's good too, yeah. but you know, if you can choose, I love caviar, but... but <laughs> I love the fact that so after humble. a day of cooking brilliant food for expensive patrons, or, you know, in fabulous restaurants, you relax just with a simple dish of caviar. <laughs> I, I like food in a can. Let me put it this way. Imagine, you're hungry. You have nobody around you. You have a can. You open the can. You are eating. Amazing. <laughs> <clears throat> Canned food should deserve an opportunity in our lives, people of America. Do you eat SpaghettiOs? You know the little like pasta with the sauce in the? No. 
No. No. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the caviar of pasta, has, just he, so you know. He has some, <laughs> he has some standards, Peter. Uh, sardines. Sardines. Oh, yeah, you like okay. that kind of Mussels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oysters. So you just want fish in a can. Oysters come in cans? Oh, yeah. But, but, oh, yeah. but, but the, the fish feels so protected in a can. <laughs> Well, yeah, the fish is lying. They're going, nothing's going to happen to us in here. Take yeah. a look what happened to Nemo in the anemone. I mean, in the can, nothing happens until yeah. you open it. Yeah. <laughs> and especially when you knock, can I open you? And the fish tells you, yes, Jose, you can. And then... Yes, you can. And then, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just, <laughs> I just figured out your reference to finding Nemo. Did you mean the eggs that Nemo's mom lays in the very beginning of the film? That big pile of eggs <laughs> yeah. that are then... All eaten, except for Nemo, yeah. which is the, the starting tragedy of the whole story. Yeah. So you <laughs> are, in this metaphor, uh, uh, the Barracuda. Uh, no, I am more protective than the Barracuda. I mean, I don't want to eat them the first moment I see them. No, no. <laughs> I, I put them in the refrigerator, I keep them. I, I make sure the temperature is right. <laughs> Only when I feel it's the right moment, I really eat them. Yeah. But I mean, you're not it's, savage. It's, a, it's very different than a barracuda. I mean, I'm, I'm more, like a, more like a seal. I mean, I'm so happy when I eat it, I start clapping. We, think about it, we are all like seals in the zoo. We are giving the sardine. That's me. I, I want to ask you, one more question before the game. So you're a great chef. You're a master of several different cuisines. Is there one thing that you're terrible at making? Like your kids, hmm. like for example, like your kids would never eat your mac and cheese. Is this going to make it into the show? Or yeah, do I don't know. <laughs> it, dep it, depends, it depends how honest you are. Um, it's so hard for a chef to recognize your weakness. <laughs> Let me tell you one thing. Can I tell you one thing? You may tell me anything you want. If whatever I did was wrong. Yeah was not my fault. There you go. <laughs> you are a chef. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing. What? Some of my most popular dishes, yes. they're never mine. The number one dish everybody in America has repeated yeah. the most, gazpacho. Yeah. You know the recipe who is from? Yeah, who? My wife. Hmm. <laughs> and I love it, and I love her. Her gazpacho is unbelievable. <laughs> For the English-speaking people, unbelievable is beyond unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jose Andres, we are so delighted to talk to you. And we have invited you here to play a game we're calling... Michelin Star, meet Michelin Man. <laughs> so as we've said, you've won Michelin Stars as well as other awards, but what do you know, sir, about the Michelin Man? the weirdly bloated, rubberized spokes mascot for the Michelin Tire Company. We're going to ask you three questions about the Michelin Man, answer two of them correctly, and you will win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of their choice on their home answering machine. Bill, who is Jose Andres playing for? Gabriel Patterson of Ruston, Virginia. All right. All right, the first question, the Michelin Man, who has a name, it's Bibendum, wasn't always the cheerful figure he now is in advertisements. Early on, around 1900, he was depicted doing what? A, beating up a horse, his main competition. <laughs> B, drinking a glass of nails and broken glass. Or C, eating a pint of ice cream by himself after a bad breakup with the Michelin woman. 
Be as a boy. Be as a boy. I think it's very obvious to me that the correct answer <laughs> is be as a boy. You are correct. I don't know how you figured that out. But the idea is, of course, that he was such a tough tire or made of such tough tires that he could down broken glass and nails with no harm. All right, next question. He wasn't always depicted as a tough guy. They changed his image back and forth. In one early poster, he was depicted doing what? A, lying down under a maiden jumping from a burning window so she could bounce. B, removing a tire from his own abdomen to help a family fix a flat. Or C, letting a drowning swimmer suck air out of his tubes. <laughs> I like the one of the belly giving a tire. <laughs> I don't feel so bad now about my belly. <laughs> I think it's B for belly. And again, you are right. The poster, he's pulling a tire out of his own abdomen to hand it to this family. But don't worry. So they can fix it. He's very generous. Your last question, the Michelin man was given his own column in a company magazine back in 1907. And here's the Michelin man speaking for himself. And he used that platform to do what? A, complain about how his rubber was getting thinner as he aged. <laughs> B, invite people to come on over and blow into his valves. <laughs> or C, brag about his vast success with the ladies. C? It is yes. in fact C. Wow. Bill, how did Jose Andres do in our quiz? His ingredients were perfect. Three and oh. Very well done. Chef Jose Andres' new cookbook is Vegetables Unleashed. It's available now. Jose Andres, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. In just a minute, you don't have to take your clothes off to have a good time in our Listener Limerick Challenge. Call one wait wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capital One. With the Capital One Saver card, you can earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. That means 4% on milkshakes with the kids and 4% on music with your pals. You'll also earn 2% cash back at grocery stores and 1% on all other purchases. Now when you go out, you cash in. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Take a deeper dive into the art, lives, and legacies of Billie Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald, and the women who played a vital role in inventing American popular music. I'll be seeing you. Watch videos, read essays, and hear the full Turning the Tables playlist at npr.org slash turning the tables. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Peter Gross, Nagin Farsad, and Faith Saley. And here again is your host, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill finds Amelia Earhart's Rhymanes in our Listener Limerick Challenge game and eats them. <laughs> 
if you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, though, panel, some more questions for you guys from the week's news. Faith, the National Park Service has put out a notice telling hikers at Great Smoky Mountains National Park not to be alarmed by what that they might find coming at them on the trail. Oh, it is a uh, rolling dung. Yes. Th that's, it's, it, it appears to be animated scat. Yes. And in coming fact, at them. coming at them. And in fact, it is some kind of bug, some kind of insect, well, right? Uh, yes. So this is what happened. So yes. I love that that word for word was the answer. <laughs> Presumably reacting to panicked calls from the trail. What is this crap? <laughs> Park rangers are telling visitors not to be alarmed by the rolling poop. They, they say that no, the balls are not moving by themselves. Don't worry. They're getting pushed by giant dung beetles. According to, par according to the Park Service... That's way scarier, by the way, giant it's... dung beetles. <laughs> according to the National Park Service, male dung beetles, or tumble bugs, make the dung balls in an effort to woo females. <laughs> remember, no, remember, guys, <laughs> if you like it, then you better roll a ball of poop towards it. Hikers are seeing this and noticing it? Like, a dung beetle to me is, like, well, much smaller than my No, it's a big bite beetle and a much bigger the ball. It's like, like a baseball size Yeah, it's thing. ten times the size of the beetle. And oh, well, that's impressive. What's his number? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, like, ridiculous. That is an insane. That would be, like, me pushing, like, the boulder that almost killed Indiana Jones. Exactly Full right. of crap. And being like, hey, ladies. It's <laughs> like, insane. Uh, Peter, the Kinsey Institute has released the findings of a new study. They say people who do what tend to have more sex? Um, lower their standards? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'll take a hint, please. You'll take a hint. Uh, well, you know, basically you just start with the eggplant and pretty soon, happy face. Oh. People who text a lot have people more sex? People who text with emojis yes, have more emojis. sex. Emojis. According to the Kinsey Institute, oh. those perverts, people who frequently use emojis in their texts have more sex and a better dating life than people who do not. This is so disturbing. My not... dad uses lots of emojis. <laughs> <laughs> like all the time. Well, your dad's a healthy human being, yes. just like everybody else. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but apparently it's actually good because signaling your affection via emoji is more, I guess, communicative than using just words because that is where we are now. Chivalry is dead, but the peach emoji, very much alive. Whenever I um, text my husband the ovulation emoji, he races home. <laughs> what? Is there one? What is, is the a, ovulation is emoji? Is it an egg? It's a ball of dung. It's, it's an egg <laughs> and a sock. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four, or click the contact us link on our website waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows back at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago. And we have just a few seats left for our upcoming show in Newark, New Jersey on September twelfth, and tickets for our thousandth show October twenty fourth in Salt Lake City. They're on sale now. Also, 
Be sure to check our weekly quiz for your smart speaker. It's the easiest and laziest way to experience all the thrills of being on Wait Wait without picking up your phone. Just say, open the Wait Wait quiz and you can win the voice of your choice. Hi, you're on Wait Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter and friends. This is Whitney Yacht from Marion, Kansas. Oh, how's things in Marion, Kansas? They're pleasant, as you'd expect. I would expect nothing less and nothing more <laughs> from Kansas. <laughs> Pleasant. Hey, now, Bill and I are going to have some problems with that. Now, uh, that's a good question, uh, because uh, you're from Kansas, and I, my understanding is that Bill Curtis here is a legend in his native state. Am I right? It, you, well, yeah, I mean, legendary for both of us. We're both graduates from the University of Kansas Journalism School. Oh, oh nice. my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bill Whitney, good to meet it's, you. It's uh, yeah. worked out better for him. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney, welcome to our show. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly on two of the limericks, you'll be a winner. You ready to play? I am so ready. I can tell. Here's your first limerick. Spain's nudists are far too exposed. So we cops help them out, we suppose. When thieves take their stuff, they are left in the buff. So we bring them a spare set of... Clothes. Yes, clothes. Very good. Nudists in Spain can rest easy if their stuff gets stolen thanks to an emergency set of clothes provided by the police. The Barcelona police are now keeping stashes of spare outfits, a pair of shorts and a shirt and a Metro card uh, for ripped off nudists. Of course, this is Barcelona, so they offered them a pair of thorts and a third. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, they call like, it there. Uh, That's what they call it there. Are, is, is Spain just like lousy with nudists? That yeah, they have nude beaches. They have more nude beaches in Europe than they do here. So this is a thing that happens. Well, I know that, Peter. I've seen, you know, like European vacation. But, <laughs> but it's like enough of a thing. So like a enough but they have to have a policy yeah, and a special it, drawer at a, the precinct. Yeah, it became a thing that like nudists would coming up to police and going, somebody stole my clothes and I'm naked. Hmm. And Why they, did they have clothes if they're nudists, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> they probably have laws where you can't be naked on a bus. So probably. You have to wear, yeah. you gotta leave your house with clothes, stupid clothes, and you gotta go to your nude beach and take, take it off, off and put it clothes. somewhere. And then there's just a bunch of kids sitting under the boardwalk and they want your clothes. They've left the house solely to steal your clothes. That's exactly right. Police have given out more than 100 of these clothes kits this summer. They report that clothing thievery is on the rise because who doesn't go to a nudist beach, look around and think, these are just the people I want to stay naked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Here is your next limerick. A long lifespan is often atop the list. If you feel down, I'm telling you, stop, resist. To have a long life, ignore hardship and strife. It'll help if you're more of a... Oh, God. This is so mortifying. Keep a positive attitude, Whitney. Optimist. Yes, yeah. optimist. <laughs> Did she say optimist? Yeah. Good for yeah. you. Good. <laughs> it turns out that optimism can extend your life up to 15% more than pessimism, which is great because you're going to need a lot of optimism when everyone you know is dead. <laughs> Apparently, it's all thanks to the power of positive thinking and goal setting. If you want to do something, you need the confidence to do it, and that goal-oriented confidence helps extend your life, especially if your goal is to not die. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Whitney, here is your last limerick. At insects, most pets merely shrug, but meat is all pumped up with drugs. 
So mealworms and crickets are pet food's new ticket. Our pets should be eating more Bugs? Yes. Yes, there it is. Despite the winner. What we are told in all those commercials your dog does not really need to eat wild-caught Alaskan salmon to be healthy. In fact, vets are recommending new insect-based dog food because it's just as healthy, got lots of good protein, it's environmentally friendly, and it's not like your dog, an animal that sometimes chooses to enjoy its own vomit. <laughs> <laughs> is going to complain about the fact that it's bugs. Uh, that's like a good solution for the Doral and their bed bugs. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it into cuisine. It's not, it's not, it's not, not going to start bragging. Close to the airport, <laughs> amazing bed no, bugs. No, it's not, it's, it's not an infestation. It's the mini bug. <laughs> Bill, how did Whitney do on our quiz? Whitney the Jayhawk is undefeated. Yay, Whitney! Rock talk. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Whitney. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Tapestry Collection by Hilton. Tapestry Collection by Hilton is a group of truly independent hotels that are a reflection of the neighborhoods they're in. Take, for instance, the in-room cocktail station at the Troubadour in New Orleans, or the extensive whiskey collection at Distilled, the fine dining restaurant, at the Sire in Lexington, Kentucky. No matter where you go, stay in a Tapestry Collection by Hilton Hotel that's as unique as you are. Visit Hilton.com slash wait, wait. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Home Instead Senior Care. Bonnie, a Home Instead caregiver, knows that building trust is essential to forging strong relationships with her Home Instead clients. I seen the ad in the paper and I called and three days after I was hired, I was with my very first client. You've got to have patience in order to be a good caregiver. You've got to build up the trust. I just love it. I couldn't find ask for a better job or a better client. To learn more or to search for available senior care job opportunities with Home Instead Senior Care, visit homeinstead.com. We have reached our final game. Lightning fill in the blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds which to answer as many fill in the blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Faith has three. Peter and Nagin each have two. All right. Peter and Nagin. Uh, we flipped a coin. Nagin has chosen to go second. That means, Peter, you are up first, so the clock will start when I begin your first question. Fill in the blank. On Monday, the president of Brazil turned down the $20 million in aid to fight the fire raging in blank. The Amazon. Right. On Wednesday, New York Senator Blank dropped her bid for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination. Kristen Gillibrand. Right. On Thursday, Trump announced he was canceling his trip to Poland so he could monitor Hurricane Blank. Ooh, I can't remember the name. It starts with a D, and I want to say Doral, but that's not right. <laughs> no, it is Hurricane Dorian. A Dorian, man in Nashville was arrested for public intoxication after police spotted him blanking. Um, publicly drinking. No, he was trying to call an Uber with his vape pen. <laughs> <laughs> On Thursday, the CDC said that the U.S. is close to losing its status as a country that had eliminated blank. Bed bugs. No measles. After finishing a round of chemotherapy, Alex Trebek announced he was resuming his hosting duties on blank. Oh, Jeopardy. Good. Yes, welcome back, Alex. This week, doctors at Stanford began clinical trials of a new brain implant that will blank. Um, give you a new brain. No. This brain <laughs> implant will shock you every time you think about food. <gasps> oh. That's terrible. 
Well, the new implants will monitor your brain waves, looking for signs that you're about to really dig into that pint of Ben and Jerry's, and if it detects something, it'll send you a mild electric shock. Oh. The hope is that the chip will help support dieting and encourage healthier eating habits, or at the very least, make you really comfortable with constant electric shocks. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Peter do on our quiz? Well, he got four right, eight more points, total of 10, but he has the lead. All right. Nagin, okay. you are up next, fill in the blank. Yeah. On Monday, a judge ruled that Johnson & Johnson helped contribute to the blank crisis in Oklahoma. Opioid? Right, on Tuesday, a judge blocked a Missouri law that bans blank after eight weeks. Vaping? No, what, abortion? <laughs> yes, abortion. <laughs> this week, the administration announced that children born to U.S. service members living abroad may not be granted automatic blank. Citizenship? Right, on Thursday, the DOG concluded that former FBI Director Blank violated bureau policy in handling Trump memos. James Comey. Yes, this week the governor of New Hampshire personally intervened to make sure that a woman would be allowed to keep her blank. Oh, her vape pen. No, <laughs> she could keep her personalized license plate reading PB4 We Go. Oh, God. <laughs> she has kids, you see. Maryland and Virginia are among the 22 states reporting blank-related lung illnesses. Vape. There you are. <laughs> Ready for it. This week, the Washington Post reported on a dog park in the D.C. suburb of Chevy Chase, Maryland, where blank is not allowed. Dogs? No, it's a dog park where barking is not allowed. This popular dog park in the center of Chevy Chase has caused nearby residents to complain of the noise because they are terrible people. <laughs> so, so this dog park has multiple signs all around it that read no excessive barking, which is a bad idea because A, dogs love to bark, and B, dogs cannot read. The residents defend their demand that the dogs be quiet, says one, quote, if my children were in a restaurant crying, I would take them out. We presume she means take them out. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Nagin do on our quiz? Well, she did pretty good. Five right, 10 more points, total of 12, and that puts her in the lead. All right. All right then, Bill, how many does Faith need to win? Five to win. All right, Faith, here we go. Fill in the blank. According to the latest presidential polls, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders trail blank for the Democratic nomination. Joe Biden. Right. On Tuesday, Deutsche Bank said it was in possession of some of Blank's tax returns. Trump. Right, or the Trump family. This week, U.S. officials announced a new 5% tariff on products from Blank. China. Right. On Tuesday, President Trump proposed lifting logging restrictions in Blank's rainforest. Alaska. Right. This week, a man in Washington state was frustrated when his pickup truck was stolen while he was blanking. Uh, while he was, um, proroguing. While he was <laughs> robbing a store across the street. Oh. On Tuesday, College Board decided to abandon plans to add an adversity score to the blank. Uh, to the SATs. Right. A woman in Florida was arrested for driving under the influence after she blanked the officers who pulled her over. Um, flashed them. No. She tried to get them to bet how high her blood alcohol level <laughs> would be. <laughs> we, do a, we do a lot. Of drunk driver stories in this space, this may be my favorite. The 62-year-old woman was pulled over near her retirement home in Florida, because why not? 
And when police asked her if she wanted to take a breathalyzer test, she laughed and said she'd never be able to pass. She then tried to get them to bet that she'd easily blow twice the legal limit. Sadly, she lost the bet because she blew three times the legal limit. <laughs> Bill, did Faith do well enough to win? Yes. Yes, I knew she did. 13. Congratulations, 13 is the winner. Thanks. In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists, now that we know, we think, about what happened to Amelia Earhart, what will be the next classic mystery to get solved? Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Gotika writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our brand new house manager is Gianna Capadona. Welcome back, Gianna. Our brand new intern is Dariba Khan. Our web guru is Beth Novi. B.J. Liederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernboss, and Lillian King, with Kate Villa joining us this week. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Her business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what will be the next mystery that we finally learn the answer to? Faith Saley. 26 years after Meatloaf released I Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That, we finally learned that what he won't do is vote for Marianne Williamson. <laughs> Nagin Farsad. Uh, the mystery of who let the dogs out is finally revealed. You guys, the door was open the whole time. <laughs> and Peter Gross. Sasquatch is real and alive, and he's just a giant bedbug escaped from Doral. <laughs> But if any of that happens, panel, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Faith Saley, Peter Gross, and Nadine Farsad. Thanks to the fabulous staff of the Wolf Trap in Vienna, Virginia. And thanks to our fabulous audience who came out to see us here. Thanks to all of you for listening at home. I'm Peter Sagal. We'll see you next week. This is NPR.